0: Most people never had a chance to hear it. Uh, Peter Gunn, and his he was a, he was played by a guy named. anybody know his name? I I wouldn't expect anybody to know his name, because um, it was the 50s and 60s, right? Yeah, <clears throat> it's, I think the show started in 58 and ran about f- five years. Anyhow. Um, Craig Stevens, that's his name. (coughs) And, uh, but, you know, Peter Gunn was a, (coughs) Peter Gunn uh, was one of the early, like along, it was maybe the first straight up television show that was all about private investigators and investing crimes. You you take that, uh, what was the, what's the guy, the author that you're, dad likes to read all the time, Raymond Chandler, uh, all those books uh, <clears throat> about the, the private eye sitting in his office waiting for people to come ask him to investigate stuff. Maybe it's crimes, maybe it's something else. That was Peter Gunn. <clears throat> he was just called on to investigate stuff. And he had friends in the police department and sometimes he didn't stop in crimes and sometimes he was just doing weird stuff. Uh, <clears throat> the theme song from Peter Gunn, uh, anybody know who wrote it besides Peggy? So it was written by Henry Mancini, and it was uh, Henry Mancini who went on to write tons and tons of famous movie themes and scores and stuff like that. Um, But um, Yeah, the Pink Panther, thing for the Pink Pink Panther. And Moon River and a bunch of stuff like that. He wrote a lot of stuff for Andy Williams. (coughs) Anyhow, um, it was just, (coughs) so it was a kind of fun show. It was the first show I mean, l- later on, you got Mannix, and you got, uh, you got, uh, uh, what? Columbo. And Columbo, and you got all sorts of shows after that. Peter Graham was the first one. Yeah, Magnum P.I. <laughs> so, but, so but anyhow, and we just, we found a, a TV t- channel yesterday uh, that just plays shows from the 50s and 60s, old Lone Rangers and old Peter Graham. It's called the F- Family Entertainment Channel, yeah, FETV, Family Entertainment Television. Um, so we were watching this yesterday, um, and you think, what does this? Could this possibly have to do with Palm Sunday? And I will, I'll just let you. We'll, we'll come back to that. We'll just come back to that. <laughs> uh, um, so, but here's here's the, the scripture, uh, the, the main scripture that uh, we, we can, helps us focus on Palm Sunday. Um, The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and their coats, and they laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. And most of the crowd spread their coats on the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. And the crowds were going ahead of him, and those who followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Woo-hoo! And they were high-fiving and they were doing uh, little boogie dances and they were just completely... Uh, ecstatic uh, uh, about the entrance of Jesus in Jerusalem and tell me why they were so excited again, remind me again why they were all so excited right right he was <laughs> he was, a lot of people felt like he was fulfilling a prophecy right and why did that make them happy? Yeah, because because there had always been this prophecy uh from hundreds of years ago that, you know, there was going to be a messiah and he was going to uh come and set them free that, you know, the the very earliest prophecy given to Abraham was God said to Abraham, if you'll trust me, one of these days, I will make your descendants as numerous as all the stars in the sky and all the sandwiches on the seashore. Uh, <laughs> the sandwiches on the seashore. Um, <laughs> uh, anyhow, and so and on, and from there there were more prophecies like you'll be the head and not the tail and when he says all the whole world will be coming and running to you and asking how to be saved and 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 yet they just kept taking on the chin over and over and over again some you know sometimes it was their fault because they didn't uh trust the lord and, and obey uh the law and sometimes it was just i mean they, get, they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like when Alexander the Great decided to fight the Egyptians, they fought them. You know, the battle was in the Israel because it was just, it was like, meet, meet me in the parking lot we'll work this out. And they were just in, but they were just constantly defeated and constantly overwhelmed. And so uh, they were, uh, Israel had been for years downtrodden. I mean, they'd, they'd been dragged off into captivity in Babylon. You know they had to come back and had to rebuild their city. They worked so hard over a couple of years to rebuild Jerusalem and and and, and start working on rebuilding a little temple. And and then the Romans came in and smashed it all down again. And, and now they were they were oppressed again, a very oppressed people. Uh, so they were going, whoopee! We're finally going to win! We're finally going to win!" You think? Uh, Hosanna is a cry of praise and celebration. Really, if you do a search for the meaning of hosanna in some dictionaries, it'll tell you they'll lead with this that it's a definition of excitement and victory and celebration and na 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 na. -na. But but the 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 Hebrew word is a hosanna is a combination of two Hebrew words, Yahshah, which means deliver or save. And anah, which means to beg for our beseech. The word literally means, Lord, please save us. I am begging you to save me or deliver me. Now, they were, so they were excited. They thought, this is the king. Lord, now come and save us. Lord, come and save us. We're desperate. We need you. Come and take the Romans out. Fulfill all the promises. Uh, give us back our standing to be be number one be number 1. <laughs> we want to be number 1. We want it's our turn to be able to push other people around. It's our turn to be able to kick our enemies in the teeth. It's our turn finally to have wealth and prosperity and to be honored above all and all the nations will come to us. It's our turn to be We are the champions. It's it's finally our turn. Lord, come and do this for us. Come and do this for us. That's what they were yelling. We're going to skip that part. Um, Deliverance from the Romans, deliverance from generations of oppression, generations of persecution. They wanted to be saved. From that, and they want to be given their rightful place based on God's problems to Abraham. And maybe a few need to be saved from something else. But that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big guess. But is that really what they needed? It is definitely what they thought they needed to be delivered from. But was it really their biggest, deepest, most important need? Was their most important need to be saved by the, from the Romans? Was their most important need to be saved from political oppression? Was their most important need to be saved from bad leaders? Was their most important need to be saved from a bad economy? Was their most important need to be saved from... Uh, well, yes or no? Was that their most important need? No. no. Yeah, you've heard this. You've seen this movie before. I remind you about... Whenever we get here, I always end up reminding you about this because it's... You just. Because I have to remind myself of it, you know. You know when I'm, most of the time when I'm preaching, I'm just preaching to me and y'all get to listen. When I'm preaching, I'm just sharing stuff that, that's, that God has <coughs> has on my heart and uh, and as far as I'm concerned, if, if if it makes if it speaks to me, then I'm going to make it speak to you whether you need it or not. <laughs> so, uh, so now we're back to the, in Mark chapter two. You remember this? They brought the they brought the paralytic and they they dropped him through the ceiling. It's such a, it's such a powerful story just to visualize what th- these friends did for their friend who couldn't walk. And they, cl- they, they came in, they, they tried to push their way in the house and they couldn't get in. They, they, they were so worried about their friend who was he was hurting and his whole life had just been a mess. He was probably a beggar. He, I, he, his, if you didn't have your health, you couldn't live, you couldn't earn a living, you couldn't do anything. And so we've heard that the Masters there we're going to try to get it get him to, to be prayed for by Jesus and Jesus uh, you couldn't even get into the house there was a, people were just jammed up there was a crowd outside so they they climbed up on top of the house and don't ask me how they got this guy up on top of the house i don't know um, and they had some ropes they had a little uh stretcher of some kind maybe they tied him up i don't know. I don't know if they Grabbed him up like this, and I, I don't know how he got there, but they got him up on top of the house, and then they started digging a hole in the ceiling because the ceiling was sod and and palm branches and you know maybe stucco or something like that. But you could, you could dig through it, and so I I don't know don't, I don't even know what it was like to be in that room when the ceiling started when, the, when <laughs> stuff starts you hear and stuff starts. Uh, those are really big rats. What is this? Uh, uh, and then phew, daylight breaks through. And then, phew, uh, then boing, 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 boing. like the world's first uh, bungee jump trip, this guy just drops through the ceiling. <coughs> and, and so I assume that stuff kind of came to a halt at that point. And people go like, wait, what? Um, And it says, I don't... I think the Scriptures leave something out. Because there must have been some kind of conversation like, excuse me, may I help you? Uh, um, Or, hey, look who just dropped in! I I don't... (laughs) But... But it's, at some point, it's, I mean, now I know that Jesus knew what was going on, but, and maybe, maybe everybody just put two and two together. Uh, uh, maybe all these people knew, oh, here's the paralytic guy that we always ignore, and now he's dropped in, and Jesus, obviously he wants Jesus to heal him. I don't, I don't know. There seems like there's a step skipped uh, that we don't get. But it just says that Jesus, seeing their faith, the faith of his friends, because they're the ones who did all the work, uh, and and it was a lot of work. How much? When's the last time you worked this hard to find a way to bless somebody that you cared about? Because um, this was hard work. They didn't just stay home and say, "Lord, please heal my friend, if it be Thy will." I wonder what's on TV. I mean, they they their faith was not in their heads. Th- their faith was. Expressed in their actions, they believed that if they <laughs> that uh, if they got this guy in front of Jesus, something amazing would happen. But like getting him in front of Jesus turned out to be a lot of work. But they didn't say, "Well, maybe the next time Jesus is in the neighborhood, we'll just have him over for coffee." Now, they they worked really hard out of their confidence that connecting with jesus would make a difference so jesus saw their faith and he had compassion on them and he looked at the paralytic and he said take up your bed and walk is this a trick are you is this what am i supposed to do now because because that's not what he said right y'all know that we all can we all agree that's not what he said uh he said, my son, your sins are forgiven. Here is a paralyzed, a crippled guy who's been, as far as you know, crippled his entire life. Being ignored by the community his entire life. Probably living on handouts and scraps of food and scraps of bread. And, and maybe he was the butt of a lot of jokes. Um, maybe his family had abandoned him. Because there was this sense that if you had a physical deformity, as part of, of, of the rabbinic theology that if you had a physical deformity it was because you had sinned or maybe your parents had sinned but one way or another it was because there was you had done something bad and that's why you were paralyzed Uh, and so people were ignoring him they didn't hang out you did not want to hang around with bad people so um, this guy had a whole set of needs that his friends expected that jesus would meet Jesus was his last chance, his only hope. And yet, Jesus looked at the situation and realized that his most important need was not to be able to walk. His most important need was not to be able to walk. His most important need was to know that his sins were forgiven. that sin has no power over us anymore. Um, And so, you know, we were praying a while ago and maybe wrestling with some stuff and asking God about some stuff. And and it all boils down to, what do we think we need most of all? We need to be saved from our sin. Whatever it is that that we were praying about in terms of the, the challenges that are going on in our lives, the thing that we have to hold on to first, the thing, that, the thing that makes sense out of everything else is to know that our sins have been forgiven because sin is what separates us from God. And we need, we need to be connected to God in deep, intimate, powerful ways that free us from the helplessness and hopelessness of sin's power because the way that sin works in our lives... It's what eats up everything else. It corrupts everything else. It sneaks up on us and it hits us in the back of the head. It lies to us. It undermines us. And um, the guilt and shame and frustration and behaviors that all bubble up out of what is still our kind of sinful nature end up separating us from God and producing things like fear and shame and hopelessness And hopelessness. Sin just eats our lunch all the time. We know that from personal experience, but take uh you can take Paul's word for it. Let me read you this passage out of Romans. This is Romans chapter seven, beginning with verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh. I am sold into bondage to sin. Isn't this interesting? Paul, who used to think he had it all together. Paul, before he when he was still Saul, he thought that he had it all figured out. He thought that he had power over sin by living by the law. And as long as I keep tithing from the mint and the dill and the cumin and um, doing all in you know, observing all the feasts, then then sin doesn't have any power over me because I'm doing, I'm living right and I'm thinking right and I'm being right. I'm being a right guy. I'm being a holy person. <laughs> But then he says, this is like true confessions. We're reading like his, it's like his diary here. For what I'm doing, I do not understand. I'm, I'm sold into bondage to sin. How did I not realize that? I'm, what I'm doing, I don't understand. I'm not practicing what I'd like to do. I'm, I'm doing the very thing that I hate. But if I do the very thing I don't want to do, then I'm, it's kind of like I'm agreeing with the law. I'm confessing that the law is good. But, so now it's no longer I am doing it, but sin which dwells in me. This is a really important principle. Sin dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of good is just not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I'm doing the very thing I do not want, I'm I'm no longer the one doing it. The sin which dwells in me, I find then this principle, that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. I don't know if any of you have ever had similar experiences, but that's why Jesus looks at that guy and he says, we'll get around to the other healing stuff in a moment, but you need to know that your sins are forgiven. You need to know that in spite of the fact that you're still struggling with stuff, I have power over that and I am taking authority over it in your life and I'm setting you free from the bondage i'm setting you free from the guilt i'm setting you free from the shame i'm setting you free from the fear i'm setting you free from the isolation <clears throat> there are times in our lives when we cross a line we know we shouldn't have crossed it and we know that god knows that we shouldn't have crossed it and that we have we have this tendency to just kind of whistle through the graveyard from that point on for a while just like we kind of beat around the bush, and we kind because we know God is saying, <coughs> uh, "Carlene," <coughs> and we're going like, "La la 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 la," and we're just trying because we don't want to, we don't want to face God because we already know that we shouldn't have done, we shouldn't have said, we shouldn't have thought, we shouldn't have whatever, and so we just want to pretend like everything's okay when it's really not. Gave us good news. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. He looked at that guy. I have some good news for you. Your sins are forgiven. You don't have to be afraid of failing. You don't have to be afraid of disappointing me. You don't have to be. Af- you don't. W- we'll figure this out. I'm never going to let go of you. I'm never going to reject you. I'm never going to shove you away. I'm going to always be there for you. I have paid the price for your sin. So nothing else. The only thing now that can separate you from me is if you turn your back on me and just go la, 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 la. And then whenever you take your fingers out of your ears and turn around, I'm going to be right there. I'm going to be right there. I'm going to still be taking care of you. I'm still going to be ready to hug you. I'm still going to be ready to restore you. Uh, my work in your life is not finished yet. Let me just remind you this. I've, I say every once in a while. There are little sins, and and you have committed some of them probably on your way to church here this morning even. Uh, the little sins with an S. Then there's capital sin. Sin is the force that drives all of those other little sinful behaviors. And Jesus on the cross broke the power of sin. He delivered us from the power, the law of sin and death that was eating us up inside. So he he neutralized those final effects. But here's the thing. It can't be conquered alone. Now we're back. This is the episode... Of uh, Peter Gunn, season two, episode eighteen, called "Fill the Cup," ran January the twenty fifth, nineteen sixty. Peter Gunn gets a call from—I mean, guy, just, the guy just got his name out of a phone book. I, I don't—I don't know any other, i don't know actually how why this guy called Peter Gunn, but what he called Peter he said, "I—I I need your help with something." Um, I'm just gonna. it's, it's kind of interesting episode. I'm just gonna, I'll cut to the chase and just say this much. The guy's an alcoholic. He's been an alcoholic all his life. Uh, a, a daughter that he hasn't seen in 15 years is flying in to see him. And he desperately wants to be sober for his daughter's visit. He can't even remember the last time That he was able to avoid taking a drink for more than three hours. So he hires Peter Gunn to keep him sober, at least long enough for his daughter to get there. He said, "I've only got this is 1960. I've only got two hundred dollars, but you can have it. Just." You know, it's not much money, but I'm going to give you $200. Would you just stay here? Would you just stay with me? Would you just spend the night in my apartment? And would you just stay with me because I can't do this by myself? I, I, I don't know what to do. Uh, I, I don't want to fail again. I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to embarrass my daughter. I don't want to blow this chance, but I can't do it by myself. So, so Peter Gunn stays with him. There's more to the story, but that's the point. This guy at least came to a realization. Not Jesus, Peter Gunn. Uh, and it turns out Peter Gunn couldn't quite keep him from making those mistakes anyhow. But the point is this guy finally came to the point of desperation. I need help. I can't do this by myself. There is a principle in me that drives me Back to alcohol over and over and over again. Please just stay with me. Please just help me get through the night. Um, I know we all have those times where we're facing something that's too big for us. Sometimes we have friends that will stand with us and not just pray for us, but if they need to stay up, all, if we need somebody to stay up all night with us. They'll stay up all night with you. And then there's some things that only Jesus can deliver you from. And sin with a capital S that drives all those other things. Um, Jesus has already handled that. The things that drive you to be fearful, things that drive you to shame and despair he he is the one who has already won the victory we we, we cry out, Lord, please save me from this, Lord, please save me from that What is it that you're, what is it that you really need? Of all the things that you are Uh, you might find yourself if you were that person on the side of the road and Jesus was coming to town, Lord, please save me. Hosanna, Hosanna. Lord, please save me. Uh, What is it that you really need? What is it that you really need? What do you really need to be saved from above everything else right now? Uh, We've got annoying circumstances when things that, the things that are broken that we wish were fixed. But is that what we really need to be saved from? Or is it more along the lines of, I really need to be saved from the tendency to make everything about me? Do I really need to be saved from the tendency to look in the wrong places uh, for help and deliverance? Do I, uh, 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 do I need to be saved from the things that diminish my faith? Um, do I need to be saved from the things that uh, take my eyes off of Jesus? Uh, Why is it that we, we, because we always look in the wrong places. I think the Holy Spirit will show you. You know, Jesus even says, uh, the Lord knows your needs even before you ask. So the next time you find yourself saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Lord, I'm begging you, please save me. Stop just for a moment and make sure you're asking God to save you from the right thing because he already knows what you need. I think sometimes he'd like to help you understand what it is that you really need. Because part of healing comes from knowing what it is that you really need to be saved from and what you really need to be healed from. And sometimes I think we look at, we're looking in the wrong place for the wrong things to be fixed went to Chris Booth's funeral yesterday some of you don't know Chris a little boy named Chris Booth uh, he's the uh, oldest child son son of uh, uh, James and Nita Burton actually he was from Chris is from a previous marriage but Burton's were members at Central Christian Church for a long time and uh, James has uh, been in the tile installing business like forever. Yeah, and, and Chris is David's age. Chris was born, uh, I guess we'll just say, for, for lack of a, I don't have the clear diagnosis, but he's born with cerebral palsy. We'll just say that. Um, and reasonably, high, very high functioning, uh, eventually kind of learned to walk, uh, first with little crutches and then he's, he could actually um, but he had, he, he had lots and lots of disabilities. Um, didn't prevent him from reading all 70 Hank the Cow Dog books. Uh, over and over and over again. And, uh, he, uh, he, you, you walk up to Chris, uh, on Sunday morning, he'd say, how are you doing, Chris? He'd say, he'd kind of look off and said, good, I'm good. Um, and uh, and then he'd, you know, after church is over, or maybe before church, uh, he'd come up to me and he'd say, Brother Jackie, Brother Jackie, I was reading in John, and could you explain to me again about this one verse? Because I don't understand it. Can you tell me about it? So we'd have a talk about the Bible. Or he loved music. He, got, he collected uh, Christian CDs. I don't know how big his collection was, but he just loved listening to Christian music. And, and every once in a while, he'd come and he want to tell me about his new CD and the group he was listening to. But every once in a while, I'd say, Brother Jackie, I, I've written a song about Jesus. Do you want to hear me sing it? Well, of course I did. And he would sing me this song and... Sometimes it had to do with, you know, with it was maybe a song about pro-life issues. Sometimes it was just a song about Jesus, and he'd just sing it. Um, he kind of had a little job working at the book section in Walmart. Um, he, was, he was very successful at Special Olympics. Every once in a while, he'd wear all his medals to church, and they just rattle. Uh, here's, here's the thing about Chris. All, his, all the years that I knew him, he never once came up to me and said, Brother Jackie, why did God make me like this? Brother Jackie, my life is really hard. Do you, you not have any idea what I have to go through every day just to get ready to come to church? You don't really... Um, Brother Jackie, I want to be healed from this condition because my life is miserable. A lot of other people felt sorry for him, but never once in all the 42 years that I knew Chris, he never complained to me about what most of us would consider to be a tragic situation. And that if we could have... uh, uh, and I'm sure people have laid hands on him and prayed for that conviction to be totally healed so that he would be normal we would have done it to take this burden off of him but he never asked for it because he never focused on it as near as I can tell um, he would fight with his mother over when supper was going to be but he wouldn't uh, I mean he was a normal kid but he was, a, that's the thing. He was a normal kid in the middle of what all the rest of us would think was a terrible situation uh, because he focused on the things that he loved and he focused on Jesus. Um, he didn't try to change things that he couldn't change. He just trusted God and he focused on Jesus. Um Of course, he's free of all that now. And we're glad for him. But I, I think sometimes I learned a lot more from meditating on Chris's life and Chris's attitude than I learned from uh, reading C.S. Lewis. Because um, that's, that's living a life of faith. Trusting God and not complaining but just trusting. That's the first step. The most important step to getting free of everything else is to put your eyes on Jesus. Put your eyes on Jesus and praise Him and thank Him. Write, write your own songs to Jesus. They don't have to be great songs. Praise Jesus however you can. F- keep your eyes focused on him. Tell his stories. Uh, and Chris was a, an awesome prayer warrior. Um, he kept a, a prayer diary of all the people that he was praying for. And he, he would come up, not just to me, but there were two other pastors who were there, t- told their stories too. and uh, All the times Chris just came up and said, I'm praying for you. Or I did pray for you. What else do I need to pray for you about? I don't know. I can be any simpler than that. So, the Lord has already met your most important need. Your sins are forgiven. The devil wants to steal that from you, but your sins are forgiven. And because your sins are forgiven, the the veil between you and Jesus has been broken the wall because of sin has been broken down you have access to everything else but it starts with just rejoicing that your name is written in the book of life and trusting God to eventually do what he else he's going to do in you however he wants to do it I don't know that's that's worth waving a few palms over I guess yes yes thank you Jesus Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for Chris's life. I thank you for the life of that paralytic who dropped in. I thank you that you've already met our most important needs and that you know the rest of our needs before we ask. I thank you, God, that you've given us freedom to live in hope and in joy in the middle of whatever else is going on because there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We praise you. Thank you in your name. Amen.